And welcome to another episode of the show. Uh, Jason David Frank passed away, and uh, we're going to be talking about that today. So, a, a somber note to start the show. But then we'll be talking about the menu. We will be uh, giving you a taste of uh, Andrew. Uh, he talks about how you're not a nerd. And uh, then we will be reviewing Three Idiots. And after that, which, by the way, that's a Bollywood movie. Uh, and then we will look to uh, Andor season 12, season 1 finale. But before the finale, we had episode 11, the penultimate episode, which, by the way, just continues to confirm why this show is the best thing Star Wars has done to date. So, with all that in mind, let's get over to the show. Well, thank you for that introduction, Dan. That was Dan, just so you know. I did uh, I did not introduce him last week, and I felt bad about it all week. I was just racking my brain, man. What did you do? But that's who he is. He put this whole thing together. That's Dan. I'm Andrew Frankel, and this is another episode of Oh So Curious. Joining us today, we got we brought her back. She's back. It's Angelina. How are you doing today? I'm good, Andrew. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Doing all the things. We're doing all the things, and as long as we're doing all the things, make sure you do all the things. Follow us on all the things. We're on Spotify, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, TikTok. We do all the stuff. It's been a hell of a week in terms of movies. We saw the menu. I liked mm -hmm. it. We'll talk more about that in a bit. There's, uh, as we said, some Bollywood virgining happening, and you, you, <laughs> you really were one, it sounds like. Uh, so we'll get your thoughts on that. And I think before we move on with anything, clearly you are a huge Mighty Morphing Power Rangers fan. And um, this, is a, this is a real blow to all of us to know that we lost Tommy. The, originally the Green Ranger, um, turned White Ranger and leader of the Power Rangers of the Mighty Morphin, possibly the best iteration of the Power Rangers. What are your thoughts on the whole matter? Me? Yeah, you. I don't really, I, I'm sad that he passed away. I don't, um, I was a little bit too young to care. I just don't really, I don't really know who he was. Like, I just don't remember. Okay. So this is, this is possibly our bad for hiring a baby. And, uh, <laughs> sorry guys. <laughs> Jason David Frank was Tommy. He was this, uh, the story of the Power Rangers for, with him was the villains of the show had synthesized all of the materials to make their own evil Power Ranger. And he was this evil green Power Ranger that was supposed to defeat all the other ones. But he was also a regular teenager that went to their high school and he became their friend and he was later transformed. He had all the evil taken out of him and he became the White Ranger, the coolest Ranger because he had shoulder pads that were gold. And, uh, you know, this is this is something that's stuck in our minds for a long time. He was kind of a role model. It was the first character arc that I think a lot of children from the 90s could really follow and be like, oh, he was bad, but now he's good. And That photo, he looks familiar. I will say that, but... That's from the Dino Thunder, because Power Rangers Dino Thunder is like the one that I fell in love with. And 
Like that was my entry into because I mean I think Andrew and I were roughly the same age, but I did not get into Power Rangers until um, I moved to the UK, and that was like when I was like nine years old. So that at that time Disney had bought the Power Rangers franchise from the Hames Saban who originally owned the franchise and brought it to the Hi, US. Ham Saban. Sorry, my bad. Um, yes, so. Disney was making Power Rangers at the time, and Dino Thunder was, I think, like their second series with the franchise. The Power Rangers Dino Thunder was, as as it says in the name, is all about dino. You know, there's dinosaur morphers and all that. And then Jason David Frank comes in. He's like playing the same Tommy Oliver character as the previous iterations of the his character, and he becomes the Black Ranger and is sort of what this years are we like talking here? We're talking like eighty nine to ninety nine. No. No, it's not that. The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? I'm talking about, okay, well, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is not from, that's like 95. But You're joking. I we'll think, find out. Yes. But the fact is, I was born into a world that already had them. And uh, yeah. it was, and it was a big part of a lot of people's childhoods watching these things. Um, and I've met people uh, late, later in life who ended up playing Power Rangers. And just so you know, it's a little bit of a death sentence to play one as a career yeah. move. Because yeah, you one get... of my friends has has actually auditioned for the same Power Ranger like yeah. 10 times, always really? makes it to the last round. And I'm kind of just like, I think maybe it's a good thing. It's, it is because first off, you know, it's one of these non-union shows and you sign a contract where basically you are that Ranger. And people sort of associate you with the brand and you just are a Power Ranger for the rest of your life, it becomes difficult to get cast as anything else. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's something he was dealing with, but I know for people in our generation, in our minds, he's always going to be Tommy, the, the White Power, Power Ranger. Ranger. Yeah. That doesn't roll off the tongue quite as well as it used to. No, I mean, it's... Okay, so like I said, like but by the way, Dino Thunder is from like two thousand three or four, but then I went back and watched. I mean, you know, I was the guy who was watching Jetix all day long, which by the way was the precursor to what is it called today, Disney XD. So it was called Jetix back at the, back then, and uh, so I was watching all the Power Rangers, and they would play like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers at late at night. And you would just like binge it. So like all day you're watching the one that's airing now. And then you watch like the one that aired before it. Like then they would cross over with like the Ninja Storm. And then later on SPD is probably my favorite Power Rangers of all time. And SPD. then, you know, that. you have the Mighty Morphin era of Power Rangers. I mean, and then T Tommy, like the character of Tommy Oliver, Jason David Frank, he wasn't just in, in you know, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. He was in Power Rangers Zeo, which has one of the all time like, TV intro music things ever. The, and oh, then he if was we're talking like, themes, Mighty Morphin was it was they started out yes, on top, yes, and they've, and they've gotten worse ever since. I'm here's sorry. how I'll compare it, it. Here's how I'll compare it. I feel like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is the OG and always will be. But then Zeo yeah. was like, let's take it up a notch. It was similar to how there was the Justice League animated series intro, and then they were like. Justice League Unlimited. Let's add in some guitar. Like, let's add in some electric guitar and let's pick up, like, the energy in the room. And to me, that's what 
Zio and Mighty Morphin, like the the songs were like. But then he was there. He was there for Turbo, right? Like he, I think Power Rangers Turbo was like the last one that Tommy was like officially a part of. I think of they lost me after after SPD. I liked Power, Power Rangers Lost Galaxy for a while, and then yeah. SPD, and then and then no, I grew SPD up. was like a few <laughs> after that. I think Lost Galaxy, then it was Wild yeah, Force. completely lost me here. The, I then know. Then there was I, I Time Force, then Wild you Force. Were not a, you're not a Power Ranger Sorry, person, guys. it sounds like. Even though the the, the series t- took and takes steps to incorporate female fans. Um, in any case, it's um, it's a sad story. You know, it's um, it's never it's never a nice thing to hear that somebody's <laughs> committed suicide especially somebody that was a role model for a lot of people. And I'm sure we'll hear more about what went into this uh, as the story develops. But at this point, what we can say is we're sorry to see him go. Yeah. Um, I mean, I personally just to like, it's, it's one of those things where like Kevin Conroy passing away hit me like immediately. This was like in many ways even worse because while I loved watching Batman, the animated series and Batman Beyond and anything that Kevin Conroy voiced the Batman in, watching Jason David Frank play Tommy Oliver, the Green Ranger, the White Ranger, the Black Ranger, the Red Ranger, any of those things, even coming back for like the 25th or something anniversary where they brought like 50 Rangers and all the actors and he's back and he's he's front and center because people know like it's Power Rangers fans, generations of fans. And if there's one character that all those generations know more than you know maybe all of them have favorites it's it was him the green ranger the white ranger you know and and i'm still processing this because this is right before we were like about to start the show like this happened so it is or the it news is shocking. came out yeah um there's really no uh tell us what you remember about him what you liked about him and in the meantime um i hate to put a plug right after this be part of the be part of the conversation um <laughs> it's, let us know uh, what yeah. let us know what was your favorite iteration of uh jason david frank's power ranger like was it the green ranger the, the the very first one was it the white ranger was it the dino thunder black ranger was it the zeo red ranger or the turbo red ranger i mean which version of tommy or did you like the character when he was not in a ranger uniform like tell us what what was your favorite uh or, or maybe it was something that was not a power ranger thing at all he did a few projects after the Power Rangers franchise, and you know that's what it, he was a MMA guy too. So like he competed professionally. I mean maybe that's how you first learned about who Jason David Frank was. So yeah, tell us tell us what you remember him by. To move on with the show, um, I don't know if you guys are watching anything else right now. I got started on season two of White Lotus. Anybody else watching that? It's a uh, good show. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but they've already, I mean, what, one episode has come out and HBO Three? renewed it for the third. Oh, okay. Well, Three after episodes. the first episode, they renewed it for Have you, the next season. Are you familiar with the, the original one? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. I loved season one. It's sharp. It's got characters that express different points of views than we're normally Definitely. used to hearing. And it also, it ex- it's written so sharply with such insight into culture but not in the way that everybody comments on the big thing it it really hits home there's one monologue in particular millennial girl who's there on vacation working for one of the other characters and so she's kind of working but she's also kind of not and 
she talks about how she's not feeling anything. She doesn't feel alive. And it's little observations like that where they're analyzing existence uh, in this beautiful way where we can see these, you know, this, what is it, the Italian uh, coastline? But at the same time, feel these really human themes that don't come across other shows that are heavily focused on fantasy or yeah I also bullshit. really enjoy the casting that they do for this show they kind of pull everyone that has been on the show other than the younger ones are mm-hmm. super established actors yeah they've kind of been on the out fringes of Hollywood for yes years and then they kind of like capitalize on how different these actors are and how underused they are. And I feel like I get to see them as like, as the best form of that actor. Absolutely. Jennifer Coolidge particularly shines and that's why they brought her back for a second season. But I mean, the level of observation that you have to be able to do is, you know, you see it in every little decision she makes for this absurd character but she's so absurd because there are really people like that and you have realizations like that in every episode it's like i know that guy i know that person because i feel like every single one of those characters is that in itself just even the writing and how developed the characters are has just been like oh wow that's awesome it's sharp it's sharp on every level and it's it's been a pleasure to watch the other thing i started was fleischman is in trouble and that's it's an fx thing it stars jesse eisenberg and lizzie kaplan and it's just different you know um so those are two things that i would recommend are you watching anything right now that's good um honestly (laughs) no no. I went through no I went through a phase where I was watching everything back to back like I binged all of the stranger things because I'd never seen it and then once I started I couldn't stop and I just I was like binging all of these shows over the course of like eight months and my brain is just like so I'm gonna step back into the real world that's not yeah that's not that's not awful (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I'm sure a show is going to come along and just be like, oh, you got to get me. I'm really excited for Yellowstone. I It's Yellowstone. such a good, it's such a good show. It's so good. I know nothing about it. I, it's it's really good. It's not your typical thing that would grab my attention, but the acting is incredible. The storyline is incredible. And honestly, even the landscape, like Montana you wouldn't think of this being like one of the most beautiful states in the country. I when do. I do. do you really? I, yeah, because it's it's one of those uh, states that's they they've let it remain as it is yeah. in a lot of in a lot of senses. I look at you know Los Angeles and it's it's hard to find nature. It's hard to see the sky sometimes. You know. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's really nice to see big open country but like that. The show is literally all about protecting that and how commercialism wants to infringe upon one of the last like last that's pretty lasting cool. yeah I mean it's a great show really really good there's like action in there there's good storylines there's love love storylines it's all like a little bit of everything yeah kind of actually is it anything like just looking at it it feels a little bit like Twin Peaks just in the sense that like there's I a lot of Twin Peaks what so I don't know. okay oh my god Sorry. we're okay well, but I'll say this, like, 
well, Twin Peaks aside, I think they tried to reboot it to it. But I, I personally, the yeah. most recent Twin Peaks thing wasn't the Twin Peaks reboot. It was the episode where Psych pays tribute to Twin Peaks, and they do mm. their own Twin Peaks episode, and they brought back some of the original cast members. And That's like, cool. if you watch Psych, it's such a good show on its own that then they, when they like spoofed Twin Peaks, it was even better. Um, but by the way, Taylor Sheridan has built an empire off of Yellowstone. And he's made, yeah. I think they're making, what? what is it called? They, they had that 18, well, not 1899. Yeah, that's 1864. So they, and yeah. they brought on um, like two famous country stars to play the leads and they actually do really well. <laughs> I was going to, isn't oh. there a new one too? Like there's one happening with Helen Mirren um, and Harrison Ford that takes place I in like the early seen... 1900s. Oh, see, I haven't seen that one. So there's 1864, which is like the original spinoff that they were doing. And they even kind of talk about that storyline in Yellowstone because they sort of go back through the generations of like owning the land and why it's so important to the dad and stuff like that. Because the lengths that this family goes to to keep their land is insanity. Like we're talking bombs and like, like it's nuts. Like it's truly crazy. But it's wholly believable. Like you never watch it and you're like, oh, that there's no way that that could happen. You're totally like, oh, this actually does happen on Indian territory. This 100% does happen in the country. It's all like, whoa. That's, that's what I'm noticing more and more about yeah. good television these days. It's, and good, good acting. It's, it's truth. People will enjoy something when they can recognize the truth. And when it's done artfully in a way where it's not just people telling you, this is what we think is going on. It's just these observations that people make about real life that they're able to communicate without words, you know, yeah. where you go, this, this feels true. This feels like it could happen. That's, that's what I could say about Fleischman in Trouble. That's what I can say about White Lotus. And it sounds like that's the case with Yellowstone too. Yeah. This yeah, is 1923, I mean, general- by the way. Which is a, oh okay, prequel. so I haven't seen that one yet. This is so it's not out yet, but they put oh, a okay. trailer out for it. So they put a teaser trailer. Get this: this is Harrison. Ford. I mean, obviously, you can tease, that's Harrison Ford, but then you also have Helen Helen Mirren in there. So oh. you've got like these two legends of of the screen, you know. And he's been teasing a lot lately. <laughs> he's yeah, got I mean, a he's he just signed up to be. Uh, Thunderbolt Ross in the MCU, so he's got a multi-film deal, and he's he's replacing That's the late cool. William Hurt. So Harrison Ford is going to be there, obviously in the Indiana Jones movie. Um, the other thing, t- there's that show on if you have Paramount Plus, it just started. It's called Tulsa King, and it's got uh, Sylvester. So this is again by Sher- Taylor Sheridan. I don't know if it's in the same world as Yellowstone, and it's it's like prequel and spinoff shows, but it's it's about. Uh, Sylvester Stallone. It's it's a bit of a dark comedy, where he plays this gangster who gets who who finally gets out of prison after like a, 15 years, and then he's I sent to Oklahoma to start a new empire. And it's like Sly doing something you've probably never seen Sly Stallone do. And yeah, it's another great like Taylor Sheridan. He's again he is like Paramount's guy. Like they paid him. He's like you could do whatever the heck you want because you just can't miss. So. Well, because also Yellowstone was so immediately successful and the fact that it already has two spinoff shows and Paramount was looking for like a show to be able to plug on the streaming services that Mm -hmm. matched other people's. So 
yeah, like that totally makes sense to me. And your sort of conversation about why realism is really capturing audiences is a trend that even as actors, we're starting to see, like, I see that in the styles of acting and it's really just based off of culture, right? So yeah. acting- Although I will yeah. say, like, I'm really not a fan of this underacting trend. I find I'm really bored by these do less people. It's like, no, 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 people, people don't always do less. Some people do more. Some people are actually yeah. characters. And I'd, I'd like to see a turn toward more of, you know, not 90s level character acting necessarily, but getting to see some- some I do the... think the 90s was a good sweet spot and then oh, yeah. the early 2000s kind of started to get into like a more romantic realism and then now you just see all this shit that it's everything's like, it's understated not. everything's yeah. understated and and dry and I'm just like you know it's the Timothy Chalamet school of acting where it's like I'm just <laughs> yeah. kind of here and you get an axe to grind with him don't you like, I've, a... yeah, I I got more than one axe to grind with that guy but um you know he's popular um let's I'm sure that'll get a comment and on that note let's hear what you had to say to my ugly face this week uh let's see what is this week's comment of the week please be nice well this isn't actually about you this was a comment Good. somebody a lovely comment that somebody left uh on our also memorable tribute video that we had for Robbie Coltrane, who of course everybody remembers as Hagrid from the Harry Potter franchise. Mm -hmm. So it was a really nice comment. So yeah, here's the comment of the week. Oh, yikes. Okay. Comment of the week, 5809AUJG. Not sure how you pronounce it, but okay. When I heard that he had died, it was like being kicked in the chest. I loved the talent and gifts of Robbie Coltrane. And he was one of the most wonderfully brilliant performers I've ever seen. He was a titan, such a presence and a marvel to me. He was, yes, the only actor who could have played Hagrid, and he did so with sweetness and beauty. His Eddie Fitzgerald in Cracker was mesmerizing, a deeply flawed human who loved exploring evil minds and bringing them to justice. Coltrane was a force of nature. He was that rare. He was that rare. God rest him. Good night, sweet prince. That's a fan. That's a yeah. real fan. And it's nice to hear that um, we we did him justice in our tribute. Um, that is sort of what the takeaway was there, is that there was nobody else who could have played him. Haggard may have even inspired, uh, he may have even inspired the character in the book, just given the timeline, is what we propose yeah, in that. because you mentioned, I think, in the video, right? Like, the, yep. he was in Cracker, which I lived in Manchester, for three years so never having heard of the show before we you know were looking into the you know what robbie Coltrane's career was like before the harry potter franchise and i was like oh wow there was yeah i mean i gotta go watch this show somehow i gotta find like where cracker is because it's like a it, it takes place in manchester england i'm like I, i'm probably gonna recognize a few places it will be fun yeah so yeah it's, um... i I, I honestly didn't know him as anything other than Hagrid, but growing up with Harry Potter, which really did capture, like, I mean, I would say everyone from, like, when the first books came out in the late 90s to, I feel like kids are still watching Harry Potter because you have, like, two generations of people that were either with the books and then moved forward with the movies and then 
then you have the people that started with the movies and worked their way back to the books. Yeah. I mean, you, you, it just like, it was such an incredible part of my childhood that him passing away, like broke my heart. It's and so I'll sad. say as a, as a kid uh, watching those movies, it was, it was incredible because I, you could really trust Hagrid. It, like there was a warmth to the performance where you're like, yeah, if I saw that guy in real life, I might be afraid of him just based on his stature, but the performance was so comforting and he was such a source of, um, what would we say? Not even, it wasn't even a fatherly uh, type of warmth. It was more of like a mentor, a friend. He was a good friend. Yeah. And well, I mean, it's not even just Hagrid, like, or Cracker. He was like a big star in the UK. Like you knew who this guy was when he showed up in that first Harry Potter movie. If you were a fan of British television, especially, you would know who Robbie Coltrane was. Mm-hmm. He was also one of the iconic villains of of the Pierce Brosnan run of James Bond. And, you know, he oh, showed up in two of his movies, the first and the third one, I think. Like GoldenEye was, uh, was his first appearance. And he kind of became like this uh, sort of like... Uh, Worst, so he he kind of was like a frenemy of James Bond throughout that series. So, yes, um, absolutely. Well, I know we. I, I think this is this wasn't the only comment on the Robbie Coltrane video, and we have been getting comments like that for a lot of the most memorable videos. Um, they're always good to hear. Always good to hear. So thank you for that. Um, shall we get on with the show? I got a lot to say about the menu. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. I did not get a chance to see the movie, but uh, Andrew, I know that you did. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Let me just say, I I love dry humor. I was expecting a suspense movie. I got a suspense movie. And the premise of it is really, and we're going to have all kinds of spoilers in this. And get, yeah, it does, yeah, it says it right down there. Good. So, this is an artist who is underappreciated. And there's a, this is his event to take revenge on everybody who's mistreated him. It's a little culty, but the idea is this is a meal where you are going to be killed by the end. We know that at a certain point, and getting to the end is the ride that you were taken on. I loved it. I had a really good time watching it. I laughed a lot in the theater, even though it wasn't going for big laughs. It was just very dry, and uh, you had to you have to find the humor in a lot of these things. But Angelina, you saw it. Were you as big a fan as I was? Uh, oh boy! Yeah. I, <laughs> um, I think it was entirely original I think it was a mixture of like eight other movies that I've seen in the last five years like it it reminded me of Hannibal and it kind of reminded me of Midsummer, and it kind of just reminded me of all of these different movies sort of compact together with a chef's table sort of spin on it sure but I really wish I would have watched this movie a little bit earlier in the day like 
I feel like it was so deeply unsettling that I needed to watch something as stupid as Three Idiots afterwards. Really? Yeah, okay. like it well, was, my soul was like, what the fuck? Like what, what just happened? I, like, so it's, it's got this really wonderful um, gimmick in it where they, they show you with text on the screen each course Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's literally just laying the table and saying, here's what you're about to see. And you're actually basically reading the menu. By the time they get to Anya Taylor-Joy's request for a cheeseburger and they get, they must've hired like a professional ad director because I was watching him make that cheeseburger and I wanted nothing else. And I actually went and got a cheeseburger right after because it looked so good it did it looked really good it was really juicy i can it, practically yeah, taste 100%. it just watching yeah. them but you know it's um i can taste it right now um, it's oh you're talking dude, about you it. gotta you gotta <laughs> Me, see this just movie. like going and getting a cheeseburger yeah right afterwards. but the movie it does such a good job of skewering and not to not to make that a pun but skewering foodie culture and high class pretentiousness and in a way it also brings forth this complaint that every service worker has ever had, which is, I put a lot of care into what I do. And somebody who's be worked his way up from being a fry cook to being the greatest chef of all time, essentially, he wants people to appreciate his art. And nobody seems to until the end. You know, yes. And I will say that I would love to hear what the, the general views are saying about this, but as I'm walking out of the theater, someone is like talking to their partner and I just overhear this comment of like, but I don't understand why they didn't just leave. And I'm like, I do, I get it. Like I get why they didn't leave because you're sort of seeing this like <laughs> emotion of like morally incorrect culture and sort of being shown like how money does not necessarily equal happiness and a lot of people are willing to like make all of these excuses yeah for this experience and for the the money and you're seeing like different scandals like every single one of those tables had some sort of fraud involved mm -hmm. that I think that sort of wears off on your your psyche like the wife was just like no honey you go it wasn't it wasn't you that like my it, it wasn't your fault my husband was cheating on me kind of thing yeah. even though it was obvious that Anya Taylor-Joy's character and her husband had had some sort of sexual interaction yes and so to me it's like it makes sense why they stayed and it makes sense why they just sort of accepted that fate I'll also say I um I'm not a chef. I dated one for a bit and the whole like sous chef uh you know and like adherence to yes chef that's such a real part of yeah. the culture in terms of high high cuisine. Um so it's not I mean it is a stretch by the end to see how far they take this cultish adoration um yeah. for their leader um but the premise is rooted in reality and as absurd as it gets. And I mean, I don't, I almost don't want to spoil the ending because it's so ridiculous 
Um, I will though. He turns them into s'mores. Yeah. He put he, he has them with chocolate hats and wreaths of marshmallows, and he roasts them. I mean, it's it was so silly. Also, as you say that, it's really funny because he was kind of roasting them like verbally this whole mm-hmm. time, like throughout the whole movie, <laughs> and then they actually physically roast them at Wait. the end of the movie. Sorry, you're Wait, telling me this what? movie goes from being like a movie about cooking food to like crimes of the future? Not it. It's not quite as grotesque as crimes no, of the he future. Just murders it's, them all. Yeah, it's just it's a, almost like Hannibal, except he doesn't eat them. Yeah, yeah, like, it's so t- kind of what it is. There's a Kafka-esque oh element to it too, where it's just like, what are the rules of this game? How do we escape? Yeah. And to your point about you know these these people never leave and he even says in the movie like you could have why didn't yeah you could have tried harder to escape why didn't you and that's i think a statement on the complacency of people who find themselves in these situations where it's like well i paid for the meal i'm gonna i have to you know they they're being taken on this you know they're there for the experience and i think what happens is I've lost the words for it. <laughs> You're smirking at me. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like, where are you going with that? Yeah, no, no I think it's, it's, go ahead. Well, because you also think about like the only way that Anya Taylor-Joy's character can escape is by sort of cracking the code because the whole reason he's doing this is because it no longer makes him happy and he sort of blames people for that like not taking him seriously but the ultimate reason why he's doing it is because it no longer brings him the joy that it once did and so when she's going out and looking for that container or whatever it was the barrel she sees yeah the barrel she sees the photo of him and the only photo in which he's smiling on the wall is when he's yeah. making burgers at what yeah. looks like 16. And that tells you, oh, like, but I love this movie because it makes you think really hard. Yeah. There's not a lot of movies that do that. And that's part of the reason why I think it is so creative and so incredible. But I will tell you, my brain was doing like mental somersaults. And by the end of the movie, I was tired. I was just I, I don't know. I didn't. It didn't necessarily challenge me. I actually think it did a, I thought it did like a good job presenting everything. Like, Mm. you know, the menu itself, super thought out, but I was watching as the story unfolded, even from the beginning, the way that they brought you onto the island and they introduced the characters, they basically said, they set up all of the different parts as they were going to happen. They showed you the meat locker. They showed you, they explained, you know, they're catching your your food right now and they explain everybody's story in such an orderly uh fashion that was like this is a brilliantly constructed movie it's almost like the menu itself i gotta say that credit there goes to the director yeah probably the writer as well but what's what was so surprising about it is that i thought i was going into like a horror movie or a suspense movie yeah and by the end, it was just pure satire, and I was laughing, and it was funny. And I think the funniest thing to me was through the whole thing, as people are getting fingers chopped off or getting killed or whatever, you have the sommelier with the wine. He's just like, this is a, fun- this is a new wine. And he's just like explaining the wine 
always trying to find these absurdly it's definitely comedic it's yeah. definitely satire. I yeah. wouldn't say it's all satire. I wouldn't say that's even like the basis of the movie. Like it's definitely a thriller. A hundred percent. Thriller. No, it's making yeah. it, it's making a point from the beginning about about society. It's that's a hundred percent. But there's still this like, what's happening? There is suspense. It? it still and is so a it's suspense. It's definitely movie. like a thriller like suspenseful thriller i'd say here's here's what i'll say in terms of the construction of it the root idea is commentary on society on arts and on the consumer um creator relationship that's baseline they root that or they build on top of that the suspense plot which is everybody's going to die at the end we know that the question is how that's how you make a suspense movie period and so It's an, honestly, it's an interesting recipe for a movie. We don't see that a whole lot. That was what was original about it. And I enjoyed all of it. The acting was good. The the script was hilarious. And the critic there, who's there uh, with just some sycophant who agrees with everything she says, he always tries to describe something. And it seems like her mission in life is just to come up with a word nobody's used to describe something before. And I, like yeah. you, those little choices made me made me giggle. And again, by the end, when when he's roasting them as s'mores, I was howling with laughter. I love this movie. Were you the great. only person in the movie theater laughing that hard? No, no. By the end, everybody was laughing in the theater. Okay. It was pretty cool. In the theater, I definitely was like, yeah. oh my goodness. At certain points, and people just kind of looked at me like, oh, I got those looks too. And I was like. <laughs> Well, okay. I just didn't care. Yeah. Dan, yeah. do you think you'll see this based on uh, what we're talking about? It I'm doesn't very interested sound like in the movie. Love. No, I'm interested. interested. This is the this is the kind of movie where okay, I would have appreciated not having heard about like what was happening in the back end of the film because obviously that's part of the thrill that you're watching it. Yeah. Because like the trailers didn't give away basically ninety percent of what you guys just talked about, right? I promise you, watching this watch it's it still, no it's yeah. still gonna be great it's gonna be good. but but that said that even so like i think this is the I, and again i'm not some i'm not somebody who runs away from spoilers or like no 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 no. close my ears not uh, i can't watch the trailer and I, I don't care like i like i purposely go looking for spoilers sometimes to the point where like i wanted to know if harrison Ford was gonna die in the force awakens and then i was happy to tell other people and i'm sorry yeah. now i'm starting to sound like a bat like somebody who does this all the time i don't not actively but I do think that like a lot of like the fun of a movie like this comes from the execution because you can take that script and you can put it in the hands of 10 different filmmakers and you'll get 10 different kinds of movies out of it. Whereas the story is the same. So I think like going in to a thriller like this, I'm always, you know, very intrigued by, well, how exactly is this going to play out on on screen? All of the production elements were on point too. You'll, you will appreciate this movie artistically on top of everything else. I think also that's kind of why I was doing mental somersaults because there's so many artistic like points of the movie. And so throughout the movie, I'm trying to like figure out the puzzle as we go and like what's going to happen. All of the actors are phenomenal. Ralph Fiennes, Ralph Fiennes? Rafe Fiennes. Rafe Fiennes? There you go. Rafe Fiennes. Rafe Fiennes. Wow. I murdered his name. Let's just, no, everybody, we did it last week. It's Rafe Fiennes. Rafe Fiennes. He's incredible. 
He yeah. is. He always has so been. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. He, he is doesn't have an Oscar, but he probably should. Incredible. Like, yeah. He's better than an Oscar. Yeah. I was like, this movie is like, he, he did it, y'all. He did it. Yeah. I am such a big fan of Anya Taylor Joy. And also, what is his name? He almost looks like Cumberbatch, but it's not. Obviously, it's not the same actor. It's him. Nicholas Holt. Yeah. Nicholas Holt. They kind of look alike, don't they? They have like the same kind of typecast, you would assume. Every character I've ever seen him play. He was he was one of the finalists alongside Robert Pattinson for the newest Batman. He didn't end up getting it, obviously, but he was in the running. And he was in the X-Men franchise and like the X-Men the first class and all of those. What were you gonna say about him? Well, every character I've seen him play is that sort of like He's like massive hubris, like just ridiculously over the top, doesn't really give a shit about anybody else character. And he plays it so well. I, like, I yeah. I kind of just want to thunk him in the forehead from like the first time I see him. Yeah, no, he's and a, that's always his character. Minute one. And yeah. I think it takes a lot of insight uh into decency to play someone horrible. The same way yeah. I think you have to be brilliant to play somebody really, really stupid. I do. Yeah. Um, Anya Taylor Joy. The whole time I was, or you have to be this, really stupid. I don't know. It just has to be. No, really stupid either. people can't play stupid. Well, that's true. That's true. They, like, as somebody who's directed a few actors, like I can tell you, yes, like all really? the best performances, yeah. like of somebody playing stupid on camera, come from people who are really like highly, you know, know highly stuff. intelligent. Yes. Yeah. All right. Anya Taylor Joy. I was watching her and like even listening to her voice in this because she changes her hair and her voice in every movie. It turns out. Well, her was, hair is comparable to her in um, the Netflix Queen's show. Gambit. Queen's Gambit. Yeah. 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 I mean, there are only so many colors to choose from after all. But I'm just saying, uh, I was watching that thinking I could see her in a Taylor Swift biopic. With the that's a I've never seen I anybody would, say that, but yes, I would. Uh, I, I'd add. I'd add that could like, work. Colored contacts to it. I don't I think, think so. Do she's too strong. Like she's too. I think she, she has. Too, she's too strong. When I think of Taylor Swift and I see Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, her music is bigger than she is. And I know, but it would be like interesting to small, see. Like, it would be interesting to see, like the. It wouldn't necessarily have to be a complimentary biopic, but to show the variance from severity to like innocence and the difference I think between Anya the Taylor Joy is too strong. I don't know if she could play it. Maybe, maybe like just, the Andrew even Dominic her presence on biopic screen of her. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't think so. There's other people. I would choose like Zoe. Um, gosh, what is her Zoe? I'll figure out her name later. It'll come to me. Yeah. Mm, who? No. Zoe Zoe did, no. I was like, uh, maybe yeah. maybe for uh-huh. the Katy Perry one, but no. <laughs> yeah. I, right. I, I, that's it. Was just one thought that I had. I I could see it. Zoe. Maybe Deutsch. you agree. Is that it? Yeah. You don't. Zoe, Zoe Deutsch. Deutsch. That's yes. who I would choose yeah. for that. Interesting. Just because her presence on screen is strong, but it's not as like striking. Fair. Yeah. I mean, she's kind of, she's under, isn't, wait, no, she's not in it. Is she in that show that you mentioned earlier? The, the, the one on FX, Andrew, or Fleshman in Trouble? Fleshman is in Trouble. Oh, no, that's Uh, Lizzie Kaplan. I'm confusing you two. Okay. Yeah. Well, before we finish talking about the movie, I did want to say, I mean, obviously you can see on screen or if you're listening to this on your podcast, 
90% in Rotten Tomatoes, it is certified fresh, and it's got an audience score of 80%, so that could be better. I mean, you know, 80% isn't a terrible score by any means, but it's only, like, 250 verified ratings. This isn't the kind of movie that's going to have, like, tens of thousands of verified ratings because it's not the kind of movie that a lot of people are going to watch. I mean, you, I was looking at some box office numbers. Wakanda Forever is far and away, like, was the biggest movie of, the, of this past weekend. Like, you, this movie, I think, well, it started off, like, 180-something million. This weekend, it's 67. And coming in second is the menu at, like, 9 million. And Fox Searchlight, like, had a similar movie, like, in terms of, like, the themes, like, this really offbeat film targeted an adult audience, like, come out a while ago called Ready or Not, which made 8 million um, on its opening weekend, but it had a budget of six. This movie given the cast of characters alone, like what their fees would be, the budget for this movie was $30 million. So coming out at 9 million at the gate, yeah. now granted there's around 40% of the markets that's supposed to come out and it's not come out yet, is gonna be cinema score. So it's not terribly, it's not A minus or anything, it's B, mm -mm. it's not bad. But it's, uh, it's the kind of movie that I feel like will find a, a second life on Hulu eventually. But it's not probably going to break even in theaters, considering... Because, you know, I disagree, because I think the longevity of the movie will last. Me like, too. I, think I was just going to say... you have to go back and see again. Like, as I was walking out, I was like... I this has the potential to be a... This, movie. this has the potential to be a cult classic. Yeah, also, it's 100%. So, it's a really... You guys mentioned... So, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to... It's a fishbowl narrative where everything takes but it's a, it's a very relatable um, and yeah. accessible story because it takes place in isolation on an island at any point in time. This could, this, this could be any, I mean, there's, a, there's yeah. a phone in it where he's taking pictures of food. But aside from that, it, it felt a lot like a stage play and you could remake yeah. it. You could, you could do a stage play of it. The story and the way it's told is so unique and the characters are so real and understandable you know it the shock in itself makes this something that people are going to talk about yeah. and i would enjoy watching this again especially with I, somebody who hasn't seen it yeah i i'm not even the kind of person that likes rewatching movies like there's maybe 10 movies in my life that I've seen multiple times. I don't like rewatching movies. Really? I feel like I would have to rewatch this movie in order to fully grasp it because it was just so much. And there were so many little subtleties. And I think maybe on the second watch, it'd even be funnier to me Probably. now that I know the ending. But yeah, I mean, there was just a lot happening and every single character had its own storyline that was so developed, but within yeah. the whole, like, yeah, I mean, each and every single one of those characters was there for a reason. And then you find out the reason throughout the yeah. movie and you're like, oh, yeah. What I'll say is that a lot of movies that have come out lately, they aren't worth rewatching. They're mm -hmm. disposable. Yeah. And this, in a rare in a rare instance, really did not feel disposable. Mm -mm. This, this was a quality movie. It was a good meal. Is what it was. It was. It was a full course menu. It was. Speaking of which, for for those who like their cannibalism on the silver screen, um, the menu it seems like it delivers it in some ways. But if you're talking about like finding an audience next week, people, you know, we'll have two options. You have bones and all with Timothy Chalamet, um, and uh, the menu. So you can go watch uh, either or. 
you can watch Raytheon's or 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 our friend Timothy. Um, Andrew, why don't you like Timothy people. Chalamet? I I I think he's fine. I think he, but I just I'm unimpressed. I, I caught him, him off guard. He's like, uh, 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 uh. no, he didn't catch me off guard. Uh, I think he's. I just I'm not wowed by him. I was wowed by him one time, and that was in Beautiful Boy with Steve Carell. Oh, I haven't seen it. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. He's he plays a character. I was like, that's that's real. I know that guy. I know what what the relationship is here. That's very familiar to me. And then I started seeing him in everything else. I'm like, does his face ever change? Does he ever react to anything? Oh, no, he's just okay. He's just always kind of this. I liked him in Little Women, but yeah, you're kind of right. In Dunes I'm, and Little Women and every movie I've seen him in, he's he's like the next Tom Cruise. I would say he's not I, like Tom Cruise at oh, all. Oh no. I think people probably, well, I don't know if this is a fair comparison or ever will be, but like people think he could become like the next Daniel Day-Lewis-esque actor. Which Why? Daniel Day-Lewis transforms. Timothy Chalamet I know, I know, exactly. Okay, I know, Andrew, you can probably do a 15-minute video essay talking about Timothy Chalamet and how he has constructed his career. But... I know that we had had you did something else that was like a video essay. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. But just because I don't have the time to do this right now, follow us, do all that stuff because I'm about to go off on you people about whether or not you're a nerd. This is a, a segment we did a while back, but it bears repeating. You are not a nerd. I don't care what you say. I don't care well, what, what you am? watch. You're just not. You're just not. The definition of the word has changed. Here's my argument for it. I hate you. Goodbye. Let's cut to that. I think Marvel movies are for nerds. Just for nerds. And I don't think I am one anymore. Are you a nerd? Do you really even know what a nerd is? Well... Let's consult the dictionary and let's see what a nerd is. A person considered to be socially awkward, boring, unstylish, etc. A second definition, uh, an intelligent but single-minded person obsessed with a non-social hobby or pursuit. Example, a computer nerd. A foolish or contemptible person who lacks social skills or is boringly studious. How is it that we got to a place in society where people proudly declare, I am a nerd? I remember years ago seeing a anti-bullying video and a lot of advertisements, the idea being Take pride in being studious and in being intelligent. It's nothing to be ashamed of, and it's not. However, these went a step, a step further and declared that it's cool to be a nerd. They would go even further to say, you know, be nice to nerds because they may be your boss one day. Actually, they're going to be your boss one day. These are people who went on to go to great schools, study quite a bit, get jobs in tech, and yes, a lot of them are doing very, very well. When did everybody become a nerd? 
we, we all started talking using the word awkward in 2006, 2007. Awkward was just this thing that we added to the end of jokes. It was something that made us funny in the moment, to acknowledge awkwardness. Um, and then to embrace it and to say, you know what, I am awkward. Well, fine, I'm awkward. Everybody started saying, I'm awkward. It's okay to be awkward. Everybody's a little bit awkward. We did start to get our wires crossed a little bit with geeks. Now let's, let's look up the word geeks. Geek, okay, noun, a digital technology expert or enthusiast. Well, everybody has a computer in their pocket these days. So yeah, are we all geeks maybe? Person who has excessive enthusiasm for and some expertise about a specialized subject or activity. Now, this is interesting. We got nerds and geeks mixed up. Suddenly it became very cool to go to Comic-Con and to dress up, to cosplay. We saw it like in, uh, in Step Brothers, where it's lair or LARPing in real life. But there is something going on with the culture where we are egging people on to have this excessive enthusiasm about stuff, things you can buy. This is my big contention with the word nerd. We are people who express our enthusiasm for things by saying, I'm going to buy a ticket. I'm gonna pay $300 to go to a convention and get an autograph from a person. Um, okay, I'm gonna buy this replica. I'm a nerd. Well, there's, there's something about being told to be proud about who and what you are after they've told you who and what you are and the way to show your pride is by buying things this new crop of marvel movies started coming out were we all into marvel from the beginning no everything can really be summed up with the futurama meme shut up and take my money that's what you are right now. That's, that's what a nerd is. You're not somebody who is particularly intelligent necessarily. In fact, if that's how you express your nerd-dumb, your nerd-dumb, that actually makes you an incredibly gullible person. And I, I am not a nerd. I've never called myself a nerd. I, I don't, I don't subscribe to the whole idea. I don't just give my dollars to somebody who tells me how to think. I don't have a problem with nerds, with real nerds. You know, people who are single-minded and are really good at what they do and express a genuine enthusiasm for one particular subject. You know what, fine, that's great. Um, however, I think it's a good thing to be well-rounded, to have a lot of interests. Um, and I don't think most people in the world can be described as having only one interest. Um, and I don't think people who just describe themselves as nerds are only interested in the thing that they're nerds about. Um, I think right now it's very popular to be into Marvel movies because they're made for everybody. They're impossible not to like. They're scientifically constructed to be appealing to every person in some way. 
So, you know, you're not, um, you're, you're really, you're not a non-conformist. You, you are literally become the biggest conformist. I'd also like to take issue with the idea of the nerd aesthetic. We used to have this caricature, this stereotype of what a nerd was. This guy with his shirt tucked in and walked around awkwardly with big old glasses. And well, people with big old glasses who sort of do this finger wagging thing about how things are supposed to be and what the actual case is and who are particularly well informed and would have us believe they are, the bigger the frames, the more intelligent we're supposed to think they are. I am more disturbed by the particular trend of telling people, here's what you are, be proud of what you are, and that way we can sell these products directly to you. That's what it is. That's what this whole thing is. It's not pride, it's creating demographics you can sell products to. So, no, you're not a nerd, you are a consumer. You're what con artists would call a sucker. Well, I hope that was informative and uh, inspirational even, uplifting perhaps. Well, yeah, so that was that. And now here's this next thing, is the segue into... Hollywood, Bollywood virgins. We watched Three Idiots from 2009. It was a movie uh, by the same director as the last Bollywood virgins movie we watched. And I don't know. Uh, you actually are a Bollywood virgin, or you had your Bollywood virginity taken, I believe. I really wish I didn't. I feel like that was three hours of my life I'll never get back. Wow. No, it wasn't. It oh. wasn't that bad. It was just. I feel like I have to sign up to watch a musical and I was just like why are they singing in the bathroom like I especially the first song that started I was just like oh oh they really went into this and even some of the sound effects like they blow up throughout the movie like the guy screaming like it has an echo and I'm just like all of the effects are so over the top and also the fact that this movie takes course over 10 years 10 yeah. years they're in school for five or four and then another five years goes by and i'm just like i had to take a break this yeah. movie is three hours long about an hour and a half in i was just like oh god like i just pressed pause i walked away i like lived my life for an hour and i came back and i finished the movie i was it's... just like <laughs> It can be it can be a lot if you're not prepared for it. And I certainly wasn't. Uh, the first time we watched one of these, we did a comparison between E.T. and the Bollywood remake of it. And oh, the ball. Yeah. Was it's that called a musical Koi too? Which actually, uh -huh. there was a cool, cool I mean, fun that, fact. That, it goes there was somebody who commented the on the video later and mentioned that E.T. is sort of based on a book from a long time ago. And then, like, Koi Milgia, and the book was written by an Indian author, author apparently. And then Koi Milgia sort of, like, I don't know if Koi Milgia went off more of the book or off the... Honestly, the like, to, to call it, to even call yeah. it a remake isn't even fair because it starts out kind of similar, but it goes on. And that's another thing that happened with Three Idiots. It's like, oh, man, like, I would have been fine if this ended an hour ago because now we're delivering yeah. a baby and yeah. we're, like... 
we are. I thought that was a nice thing. While they're delivering the baby. The whole this I I think I just don't like this director, um, personally. Really? Also, even the acting, like we kind of discussed how acting in America, number one, is the like what sort of shapes the world, but Bollywood has really blown up in the last, I would say like 20 years even the last 10 years and the acting is so different like I felt like I was watching a soap opera the whole time like it is the acting is so over the top the sound effects the music the audio everything is just so up here the whole time I'm just like what I've said about that in the past is that the action is actually clearer in these movies and so so let me here's let me tell you what I mean it's that I, I, for instance, I don't, I can't, I just can't watch a movie with subtitles. It, so I turn them off most of the time for this one. I actually had to turn them on because it wasn't yeah, was quite like, as how clear. Do you understand. But what I was going to say is in these other ones, I just sort of tuned out and I watched what was going on there and I tuned into the action and the expression. I was like, oh, I understand what's happening because it's so clear and the verbiage isn't so specific that you lose track of the plot. You can see the relationships and I think that's one of the things I don't like about this director is I have to be watching the subtitles. And on top of that, there's, this was basically the same plot as Munabai, you know, it is. I noticed to, that this yeah, time more than goes I watched to the, it before. It goes it's to a structurally school. very similar so similar and yeah. the other thing it was like as much as i appreciate the effort uh in all bollywood movies it seems to put out positive role models and you know encourage people to be the best people they can be which is not something that we always get over here yeah that's a that's kind of a nice deviation from american cinema but i found this movie and munabai so um what's the word ham fisted in its um <laughs> commentary i just like have some subtlety you know it just that, it was I think so that's uh that's a that's a big difference in terms of like i think well rajkumar hirani the director is he is like the he's considered the auteur major of bollywood like he is the guy who is like i don't know if we want to say the christopher nolan of bollywood because i don't think i wouldn't play. call him that at all they're not He's more. Like who's the, who's the guy who made Silver Linings Playbook? Um, Blanken. Forgetting his name. I remember the movie. I don't remember the director. He didn't he direct uh, Amsterdam this year that completely flopped. Did it flop? That was a good movie. Oh yeah, it, um, it dropped so hard. It's it's coming to uh, Hulu I think soon. Uh, it's a good movie. No, but know, still, there's some like, stuff that goes to Hulu that I'm like, why did this get canceled? David like, Russell. I love yeah. this. Yeah, David O. Russell. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. I think both Munabhai and, like you said, the structure is very similar. So three idiots and Munabhai follow a very similar story structure in that, and not maybe the story structure because I, I don't think like Munabhai. Munabhai completely takes place in like a chronologically like order. Like it's it's not where this movie kind of jumps around between two different parts of the same timeline. So you're getting like these long sequences which are essentially in flashback, and then you see what's happening in the here and now. The the thing about this the director is he's sort of um, he, he and more so than most of the mainstream Bollywood directors, they he has like a very specific message or some kind of like thing that like a, or some kind of moral lesson or something yeah. that he's trying just, to get across. It that was the movie, that kind like, of 
it wasn't Sorry. subtle at all. Yeah. It, no, it it's reminds not subtle. me of and, like and, a Goldilocks story. Yeah. Blown up for Bollywood. Like it just reminds me of the kid stories we were told. Like the whole storyline just seems like a story you tell to a little kid to try to get them to act better. I think so. A and lot of the differences there is the audience that's designed for. Like this, I think Rajkumar Hirani's movies are designed more for an Indian audience than a lot of other mainstream Bollywood movies. And in that way, they connect really, really well, which is why he's such an admired director. Like this movie came out in 2009, the same year as Avatar came out. And mm -hmm. I know like it made nowhere near as much as maybe anything in the top 10 in the box office that year, global, worldwide. But to in terms of like the levels of success it had in Bollywood, like how big of a movie Avatar was for Hollywood and cinema as a whole, this movie was that big and breaking that many levels of records for Bollywood at, at that year, wow. and won awards and everything. Now the over-the-top acting and everything and the and the, the musical numbers, that's part and parcel with every Bollywood movie. So like as your first yeah. Bollywood experience, I can totally understand it's very different. Um, I just think the style of acting yeah. really gets me. Like, I'm not one of those people that enjoys watching soap operas. I think yeah. those people in America would love Bollywood. Like, I think yeah. you would love American soap operas by the way you're talking about it, Daniel. Oh, you <laughs> haven't seen Indian soap operas. Indian soap operas go like Actually, way I have than American soap because, operas. Because uh, when I was in India, that's yeah. all they watched. They keep the TV on all day long yep. and they just watch it all day long. But I think that also speaks to sort of like, the culture too right like the stories are all sort of uplifting stories all sort of just like over the top but still very like cutesy the musicals are supposed to like make you feel happier and I think that says a lot about the society still in India like mm -hmm. it, it's still trying to find what America has found as far as stability and et cetera et cetera and I think that influences popular culture in a big way I don't know if I would Definitely. call it stability though I think well, the argument yeah. is more so just culturally, like like what the what what the Indian identity and what, how they identify with values, like you know how it's what, very what the optimistic of... overall. And that's something that culture. is across yeah. the board in in Bollywood movies. It feels like it's There's, very optimistic. Yeah. I would I would even say like, and I've said it before, like the it's like taking a trip back to the '90s on another planet for me, and I have to tune into it really. But like, it's there's optimism. There's these family values there's bright colors and yeah. the, even the way the music is sung and produced it's like it's all for that sort of spielberg-esque feel-good 90s movie yeah and it's it doesn't have the cynicism of american culture and it still has respect for old ways of life but embracing new technology and new yeah. philosophies i mean even to the point yeah. like one thing in this movie that you will you guys will probably not pay like any mind to at all the kiss scene at the end like back when this movie came out like on screen like kissing was something that was still semi-taboo in mainstream bollywood and it was like yeah. just starting to become normalized and so that's mm. something which i still remember to this day back when like the movie initially came out i'm like oh okay because that's not something that you were used to seeing like that's and i mean this is 2009 i mean this at this point is ancient yeah. history like things have changed but you know, like to kind of, again, an example of how different the cultural and audience expectations and were. And that's what I've, movies. that's what I've come to appreciate about these because before this year, I don't, I had never seen a Bollywood movie. Um, mm -hmm. Now that I know what I'm in for, it's like, it is a nice escape from the cynicism of American media 
but and that's to be completely honest i didn't love this one yeah earlier i think if i would have watched the menu and then watched this the contrast between the two would have been so much better and i would have been like okay i can handle the stupidity of this movie like it's fine yeah but even a lot of the humor was lost on me because it's so like stupid slapstick humor that you're just like so but what about the story itself because i feel like the big like and this is okay by the way here's one thing about this director rajkumar hirani and his movies i think these are movies that you will on first watch mostly walk especially if you haven't watched bollywood movies before you'll walk away with like okay they were going for humor it was over the top it was a little bit melodramatic at times and there was you know there's music and dancing and all that stuff yes but i think when you look at like the writing of the movie in terms of the message and the the story's trying to tell which will come through much more on second and third watch of uh-huh. of these movies i can think this movie i think the big You're looking thing forward to your second on, and third watch <laughs> well like you were whether so you decide to do it or not but <laughs> sorry guys the idea like this movie was all about talk talking about and again this was they they pointed out at the one point in the movie where one of the characters says i think amir khan's main character what's i forget his name uh uh rancho like is the name of the character yeah. he goes like the number one like cause of death in india is suicide and next to that is like you know uh homicides or stuff like that so so there's still clearly something wrong and then a uh, the big part of this movie that maybe lost on somebody who who wasn't familiar or isn't familiar with how the indian society like and not just indian society but like south asia as a whole whether it's india mm-hmm. pakistan nepal sri lanka bangladesh like that part of the world is when you're growing up the whole idea of you 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 know the moment you're born your parents expect you like if you, you become a doctor engineer a lawyer yeah. or the, or like if you do want to do anything else it's considered like like less less of a of a of a thing to aim in life for yeah. whereas this movie and the pressure to which you know kid, kids are are put under and how it leads them to like literally and then this movie yeah. it may seem over the top but it's a very real problem of like kid, pe- kids committing suicide because they can't that's, like they put that's not the issue yeah. that i that's yeah. not the issue that yeah. i had with it i didn't th- i actually found that to be um you know that was that was shocking to see in a bollywood movie it's like yeah there's there's some reality to this and i'm not unfamiliar with the idea that the untraditional um i untraditional ideas and untraditional vocations are looked down upon in not just sub, sub asian cultures but all around the world you know even in america when your son comes to you and is like hey i want to be an actor they're like good luck you yeah. know don't ask me for money um but it's like i found that the way that they express the ideas it could have been subtler i thought the professor in this particular movie he was like he was a clown yeah. um but and he was so, definitely like well does he actually top. have such a severe list in no, real life that, that was definitely no. put he, on yeah he was, was in the, he was like, in munnabhai the same actor he's and i've seen him in other movies now that's I just was like, i mean i was i was watching him i was just thinking like this guy i'm supposed to i'm supposed to believe that there's death at his feet he was a clown. He was an absolute yeah. clown of a person. And that made it difficult to take the stakes of a lot of this seriously, because at some points it feels like it's really heavy. It's really serious. People are killing themselves for greatness. And yet he's he's just kind of this goofball professor who's got a stick up his butt. Like, I'm not there. there I guess the framing of the situation didn't uh, do anything for me also the just thing. the vastness of it too like it should have been at least two separate movies 
and focused more on the points. All of Some that of these, that they tried to get okay. through, I was just like, "You're this. Why? This is this is common." Uh, this is I'm nine finding. years. I'm like, what? Well, so I'll say this about Bollywood movies as a whole, and I think Andrew, you were probably hinting at there too for a sec there. The idea, okay, so when I I grew up on Bollywood movies, like I basically even to this day, I think I probably as a whole seen more Bollywood movies than Hollywood movies. I've seen a lot of Hollywood movies. I've seen even more Bollywood movies, but. There's a thing in in Hollywood and in film in general where um, movies have genres and some movies, you know, meld genres and kind of blend things together. The thing about Bollywood that I had never quite thought of that way was the idea that every Bollywood movie, no Bollywood movie quite lives in one or two or three genres. Like when we say a Bollywood movie is like a full meal and it's an experience is because one moment you might be watching something that's a full-blown comedy, and then the next moment a guy jumps out a window and like almost kills himself, and now all of a sudden, you know, a whole different movie, and then, you know, there's an action sequence happening, and then there's a song, and it could be a sad song, a happy song. There's, you get a little bit of everything, and so when you talk about like four-quadrant movies in the U.S., four-quadrant mm-hmm. movies in, in Hollywood mean something completely different than yeah. in, the, in, in Bollywood because in Bollywood every movie well there are movies that do nowadays there's more variety but like back in 2009 and that era like these mainstream Bollywood movies were when you say four quadrant they're giving you a little bit of everything and you just kind of go with it because the, you, you know people are used to that but if you're not used to it it comes across as very much unfocused and going in every which direction and I will say this, the American attention span these these are yeah. these are too much and Again, yes. it you could have you could condense this movie, like you said, into two um, separate parts. There's a lot at the end that just subplots that don't need to be in this. That don't they don't make any extra points. They just yeah. sort of pad out the movie. Um, Amir Khan, that's that was Rancho. Yep, yep, Amir Khan. That's the one on the right. He's on the right. So he. Angelina, you weren't here for this, but he they recently did a Bollywood remake of Forrest Gump and he starred in it. Like almost a shot for shot remake in a lot of respects. Um it's like one of my mother's favorite movies. So it's a I'm lot of people's like, favorites. Actually, I enjoyed what? I enjoyed the remake. Um, it was good. You know what? Yeah. Um I also hate Tom Hanks and Forrest Gump, but that's beside the point. Um, I love that face. That's we're gonna use that. So um, I'll get used to it. No, no, this is a thing. Yes, but um, in that movie, and I think in posters for other movies, does he have green eyes now, or does he like wear contacts? Because I was, I was like, wait, that's not the same guy. What's what's the deal there? I don't know. I've never noticed. I, I thought I'd have thought he had brown eyes for for all I knew. I mean, he in, definitely in, has like hazel eyes, but also that was kind of one of my things too. Is like, and this has been a typical. I took like a five week backpacking trip in Southeast Asia, and my best friend's girlfriend is Indian, and so we got like the full immersive sort of experience. Like we went to Mumbai, we went to Calcutta, and it was just overall incredible. But then you start speaking to some of the societal issues. And I experienced this in Vietnam too. Everybody in this movie is like super white, like super, Mm. super. And that kind of, to me, like doesn't represent the majority of Indian culture. Like there's only one guy in there that like looks sort of like typically representative of what the majority of India looks like. And so I remember being in India and sort of like it was so 
like highly it's sort of, so like it was weird because people were like following me taking my photo because I'm white and like they kind of try to push that into the movies and that kind of makes me sad too like it's it's just, again that has gone better it's different here's the thing like it, there's Bollywood is only one of like half a dozen different film industries in in India you have Bollywood, yeah. you have Tollywood, you have Kollywood, you have, you have, the, so basically you have, the, they're all different languages. Bollywood is like okay. the most well-known as the Hindi movie industry. It's based in okay. Bombay. That's where the word Bollywood comes from because they were like Hollywood mm, except Bombay. Bombay, Bollywood, mm-hmm. even though Bombay is now, because post-British uh, occupation, Mumbai. it's now known as Mumbai. So it's different. Yeah. But that's where the term comes from. And so Indian, like, you know, Hindi cinema, like the actor in the middle here, He's known more in the South uh, South Asian movies. Like when I said South Asian, I mean South Indian. South Indian movies. Yeah. So he's been in Tamil films and those. Like for example, uh, R, what was the theme that came out earlier? Um, RRR. I think that was a big, uh, I think it was a Tamil movie, but it was like, it was not, it was not a Bollywood movie. And then, but they do mm. dubs. And nowadays the culture has, so back then, this is 2009, a lot of Bollywood movies focus on mainly that region, like the New Delhi, Mumbai, that region, or like Goa, maybe. But mm-hmm. now the diversity of actors, and not only just the diversity of the cast and the kind of stories they tell, has gone better since then. But also, like they now, every movie is dubbed in like the four or five main languages. So depending on what part of India you go to, the same movie you might be playing, but you might yeah. be watching it in the language that is the language you know of that region so it's definitely gotten better i mean yes this movie you know this is as mainstream as bollywood gets at at least you know for 2009 but they've gotten better with that like for example this last sequence you could tell somebody like you know this the the guys who made this movie they're like oh my god we can color grade like we can do highly selective like and they just went crazy with the color of the water yeah. and the sky. Yeah. You could tell, like, the rest of that, like, yeah, I'm sure it looks beautiful in real life, but they, they color graded the heck out of it. So they've gotten better with, like, exercising some restraint. But I do like the joy of, like, this movie and Monabhaya and BBS for me. Like, I walk away from it and I'm like, you know what? I feel better about being alive. Like, because I... I enjoy, so that's my personal take on these films, but in yeah, a lot of them, that like you it. do get, you do get that wholesome appreciation because for it's life. So optimistic, like yeah. it has such a. That's kind of what yeah. I was trying to say. It's like a basis of like it almost sounds yes. like a kid's fairy tale. Oh, and I'm not attacking like, like, I'm, like moral this is, value. It's it just, totally it's, like there's so yeah, many different viewpoints. Feeling, yeah. Yeah, yeah, better than I did walking away from the menu that made me confused and tired. <laughs> well, I felt Let me ask you one question. Menu. You watched the menu before the this. Menu. Of course you did. By the way, the director of the movie, Rajkumar Hirani, he's the one in the white shirt there. So that's that's him. Um, the just white for shirt? Content. That's the director. Oh, okay. Yeah, Rajkumar Hirani. He's... Uh, He's again. He's very well known right now. He's working on a movie with Shahrukh Khan. Who um, Andrew, you remember what movie did we watch? It's Akal Hona Ho, right? Yeah. Shahrukh Khan's like the most well-known Bollywood actor of all time. Like the most successful. He's like, he's and like if you combine with, with George Clooney, Brad Daniel, Pitt, where did you grow up? And everybody. I was born in Pakistan. I lived there till I was nine. Then I moved to the UK for three years. Then I've been here since '07 in the US. So I've been okay. all over. Um, 
but yeah, I just wanted to ask a very quick question because you watch. I mm-hmm. last night I watched Home Alone two, Lost in New York, and then I took a bit of a break and then I watched Three Idiots. But Angela, you watch the menu and then you watch Three Idiots. Did it at all? No, feel so like I watched Three cleanser? Idiots and then I watched the menu. Oh, I was going to ask, like, did it feel I like a palate cleanser? The menu. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I would have felt better about both of those movies in the takeaway if I would have watched them opposite. I watched Three Idiots and I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then I went and saw the menu and I was just like, what the <laughs> <fuck>? <laughs> two different kinds of like wts but definitely same sort of takeaway of like what did i just watch like what just happened That's i don't great. know i'm definitely yeah. one of those like i love classic films i love classic films i grew up watching black and white movies with my grandmother i've been acting since i was young like i have taken all different kinds of acting classes I've never been into soap operas. And so the Bollywood movies, I feel like are going to just be into a little bit of like a miss for me. We'll keep trying them out for your They're sake, not Daniel. all like It that. sounds like They're you not love all. them. And I'll, I'll make sure to pick a few out that are like a little different. I did want to actually, as we finish this up, I had a question. So mm-hmm. in the past, we've done like these comparisons, like, you know, like we did E.T., Corey Milgia. And okay. there is a, so I'm going to just throw a couple ideas at you guys. And you tell me if you at all interested in one or the other or none at all. There's been there's this there's two movies two sets of movies that I think we could compare, and in one case it's Hitch with you know Will Smith and Kevin mm-hmm. James and who's who is it Eva Mendes is in there um, yeah and then there is the volume remake me watch called, and then there's you the volume remake called Partner Happiness what is wrong with you no I don't I like I enjoy some of these Bollywood movies I, oh my. God. What? Would you be interested okay. in doing like the Bollywood version of Hitch, which is Partner, and then the, the Hitch? Which, by the way, those Am two I movies allowed to came rip out two on the years Bollywood apart. movie? Is that going to hurt yeah. your heart too much? Because, hmm? like, if you make me watch Will Smith and Hitch, and then you make me watch the Bollywood version of it, I will probably rip on the Bollywood, like, hardcore. That's totally fine. Like, I'll be honest, okay. when we last did this, we did uh, Night and Day, which is a Tom Cruise Cameron Diaz movie, and then we did Bang Bang, which has Hithik Roshan and uh, uh, Katrina Kaif in it, who mm-hmm. are, like, you know, for Bollywood, like, those two are, like, two of the biggest stars in Bollywood, and obviously Tom Cruise, Cameron Diaz at the time, huge. Tom Cruise still is. And then surprisingly, it was like weird because one of the things I want to bring up is when we were doing those comparisons, it was really, uh, we, we like compared notes after and we were like, it really makes a difference which movie you watch first. Because yeah. it kind of primes you for like what you're going to see, especially if you haven't seen like, like say the Hollywood version of it or the Bollywood version of it and you're watching both for the first time. Then it really, the other option I probably be? always watch the Bollywood ones first hmm. now, now that I know. Because there's something about that that almost needs like a realist palate cleanse. But also I think, I don't know. I don't know. It might make me, after a sad movie, I might reverse it. uh, Like I would have watched the menu and then this, but like I might watch the Bollywood and then Hitch. I would have watched the menu first. What's the other option? Okay. The other one is... uh, and in this case, the two movies are based off of books. So they're not remakes of each other. In fact, the Bollywood movie mm. came out first. The Hollywood movie came out a couple of years later. So the Bollywood movie is, um, it's called Mene Kyukyal, which is basically Why Did I Fall in Love? That's what it translates to. And the Hollywood equivalent of it, which again, they're, you know, the Hollywood movie came out later based on a book, was Just Go With It. 
which I actually just watched like this past week. Is that it was Adam Sandler? Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston and Brooklyn Decker. Is that you know what? Just just because the last couple of Bollywood movies have struck me as Adam Sandler movies, yeah, I actually think that would be a good comparison to do. Let's do it. Yeah, and both of them came out like a few years apart. I think like 08 and 011 or like 2011, something like that. That's yeah. yeah. Munabai literally felt like Billy Madison to me, so it would be interested interesting to see how uh, those compare i also would like to see like something that like the bollywood came out first because there have been a lot of movies that i have heard have been based off of bollywood movies but then have really just been like curated for more american culture so that would be interesting to see yeah so let's do that yeah well you know as they say in the movie all is well like not all is well as all is well that's uh yeah that part i was just like for reals that's how you save the baby oh, uh-huh well like they point out like it's an accent <laughs> it's a thing yeah all right well we'll be moving back on. next hmm? oh nothing i was just like I'm, I'm moving on and moving on here we go with that moving on part um follow us be our friend on all the stuff we're on all the social media if you've heard of the social media we're probably on it so find us like us subscribe do the whole thing we'll uh we'll keep making content for you to enjoy And uh, now, why don't we take a look at this latest episode review of Andor. Uh, I haven't been following along, but people seem to think it's the greatest thing Star Wars has come out with in years. So let's hear what our team had to say about it. Under episode 11. So we're one episode before the finale and this is getting a bit repetitive, a bit boring because we haven't had a single bad episode yet and we're almost done with season one and it's quite incredible. There was just enough action, just enough intrigue, just enough suspension, just enough of sadness, a bit of comedy. Like, This episode had so much and once again I cannot believe that was only 40 minutes long. That's how you do the storytelling guys and watch and learn, watch and learn. Once again, Tony Gilroy, I will keep clapping for you because thank you, well done, well done. So we start with Melshi and Ander still trying to escape Narkina 5. Obviously last episode they jumped out of the, the big prison factory. We still don't know whether Andy Serkis is alive. I hope he's gonna make a comeback. At the end of the episode, Melshi does kind of bring it up that, hey, let's hope we're not the only one who survived. I can't believe we didn't get to see Fiona show one more time. We did feel the effect of of her of her passing not only on humans but also robots so yeah we got to see the b2 emo once again it showed that robots actually can feel it was very touchy and um him waiting you know for marva to come back who knows maybe marva's still alive is that plausible obviously we didn't see her dying but, and then also b2 is sort of insisting that she's coming back i don't know no i'm i'm probably making this up she's probably she's probably gone but we didn't see her dying so so that was of the rails um <laughs> that was one of the best uh quotes of the of this episode. Leda found some, um, she found the elders. <laughs> it looks like she joined some cult and Mon kind of has nothing to say about it. But obviously then Mon is using Leda as her bargaining chip, so I suppose, which and Leda doesn't even know about it. So I suppose it's kind of, 
even for the first time we see um, Mon really breaking down. She finally opens up to to Val about the whole situation and how much trouble she's actually in. And we were really able to feel the desperation, the sadness, the frustration, the anger, and you know, just admittance to herself and to to Val how far this thing has gone. And once again, reaffirming this whole idea, how rebellion makes all sacrifices. There's no turning back and you really have to give it all. You need to sacrifice it all, including your own daughter's future. <laughs> Luthien makes his way to see Saul Guerrera again. Just before that, we were able to see like the early versions of X-Wing and I know we've seen them before in the episode, but we, I swear we had like a longer, longer clip of those X-Wings out there. And yeah, it, it really takes you back, you know, and to think where everything started. Like it was probably Saul Guerrero who built those X-Wings, you know, he was the first one who started them. And those ships later on became so iconic. So Saul Guerrero um, wants to join forces with Luthen and Luthen actually stops him because, yeah, ISB knows about Krieger and Luthen knows if Guerrera goes there that it's just going to be a bigger slaughter and they're sacrificing 30 men plus Krieger and it's a lot. But as um, Guerrera and Luthen come into this conclusion, this is war. So obviously this relates back to the monologue that Luthen had in the previous episode, which was so powerful and really encapsulated the sacrifice and the kind of the choices you have to make in order to, to fight the Empire. You really do have to use their game, their weapons in order to defeat them. And obviously everyone wants a better future, everyone wants the freedom, but at what cost, right? Cyril had enough. Cyril had enough of his mother. He uh, found out about the funeral, so he's going to the funeral. Uh, ISB is going to funeral. Andrew's probably going to funeral. Everyone's going to Marva's funeral, and we can get a really nice picture of what's going to happen in the um, next episode. The actual showstopper and something that elevated this episode to to another level for me was uh, Luthen versus the Empire. The Empire had no grants to arrest him. As the officer called it, that was just the practice. And obviously Luthen had too much to, to lose. So he did this great maneuver of getting out of the, the thing that was pulling his ship into like the, the Empire's ship. And yeah, I think it's been a while since we had starships and we had TIE fighters, T-bombers, whatever they're called. Nice little maneuver, then the laser came out of the wings and then they slashed the ships. It was just like everything was happening and it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. He then jumped into hyperspace and he left the, the officer just standing there. That was also proof that the action scene does not have to take 20 minutes. So in Star Wars, like back in the older Star Wars, we had so many of those starship scenes that took half of the movie. Whereas here, Luthen, just epic. Um, yeah, thanks so much for watching and join me for the finale next week. Uh, like and subscribe. Let me know in the comments what did you think. Catch you next week. Bye. Boy, this has been a hell of a ride for me, and I'm sure it has been for you if you've made it all the way to this part of the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for watching. Next time, we're going to have a whole show devoted to a few movies that are coming out. Uh, 
top on our list is Glass Onion because it's probably top on your list too. All-star cast, Netflix doing a wide release in limited wide release in uh, theaters. So we're going to take advantage of that and let you know how it is and tell you should you watch it in theaters or should you just wait until it comes on Netflix? Save a couple bucks. Might be worth it. In addition to that, we have Steven Spielberg's, I think, semi-autobiographical movie, yes. The Fablemans. Mm -hmm. And finally, Devotion, which if you didn't get enough aviation from Top Gun Maverick this year, will be how you get your fix this winter. I slowed down at the end of that sentence for no particular reason. I guess I was coming to a thought. Anyway, what are you guys excited to see? I'm thinking Fablemans. I didn't like Glass. I didn't like Knives Out, honestly. Mm. So, wow. I just, you know what? It's the Daniel Craig, uh, you know, Louisiana accent that I was just like, nope. And I didn't I enjoy Daniel Craig. I I, he's saying. fine. He's I good. I just him. like the accent was too much for me. And the rest of the movie wasn't good enough for me to be like, also, that was literally on. the birth of Anna Darmes. Like that movie, yeah. She just, like, she's she's good. I just I just didn't think the movie was. Oh, I thought it was cool. It was cute. It was good. Well, it they wasn't might great. do better this good. time. They might do better this time. Um, it's a different I like, cast. I'll be yeah. honest with you though. Like the first Knives Out, I watched Murder on the Orient Express, and to me, Murder on the the, the, the not the old one. I've seen the old one. I'm yeah. talking about the one with. Uh, Oh, what am I forgetting? It came out around the same time. The new one. Yeah, no, no, I'm talking about the the Kenneth Branagh. Yes, the I love this character. Like his, I love how they lean into his eccentric character. like with the eggs and everything, and he's he's got like clearly OCD about like you know having things a very particular way. Anyway, I like the murder on the murder on the Orient Express. I've, I'm going to be watching uh, at some point this week. I saw on my list to check out uh, Death on the Nile, which I think is correct. They basically tease it right at the end of the first movie. I like that better because what are you what are you shaking your head about? Death on it's, the Nile was so bad. It was. Oh, I haven't terrible. seen it. Really? I haven't seen it. I'm, it so okay, bad. I'm talking about Murder on Sorry. the Orient Express. I like <laughs> that, in my opinion, better than Knives Out, particularly because these kind of Agatha, Ag Agatha, Agatha Christie movies. You know, like Murder on the Orient Express is basically a remake of one of her movie books that were, you know, movies. I thought that the escapism that you got from like, you know, these characters in a totally different time. It's like you get to just kind of escape into the world for 90 minutes. Knives Out did a lot, had a lot of the plot and all the same writing conventions and all the characters were there. Except for some reason, because it was taking place in modern day Boston, it just took me out of it a little bit. I was like, I loved the, like, it was a great entertaining film to watch. It just felt like maybe if they had, the setting was a little more, uh, like I, not I think our it's world. a good classic murder mystery. I think that's what it was meant to be. I, mm. you know what I mean? I think you go into it kind of expecting a murder mystery and just like yeah. murder mystery dinners. They're kind of like, okay, whatever you say, that's the movie, right? So it, it's kind of the same conversation we had last week. It's like, when you try to push a movie past what the algorithm is trying to put out, <laughs> it's never going to hold up. Like it is what it is. Like a Marvel movie is a Marvel movie and a murder mystery is a murder mystery, especially when it's supposed to be like so cute, so quaint and a family sort of film. 
Interesting. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to the Fablemans. I've heard good things about it. You know, generally growing up, I thought Steven Spielberg kind of I found him kind of schmaltzy. Um but this That's how you still did the, like I like the yeah. terminal was like terminal cancer for you because you were like it Steven was. Spielberg, Tom Hanks yeah. together. Did John Hanks? Williams do the music because that was John would really Williams did the music. It. I There's hated like... everything about that movie. <gasps> Yeah, I'm um, Michelle we'll Williams is gonna be incredible. She's, I mean, everything I've ever seen her in, she's an entirely different character. So I think there is a potential for her to really make that movie, sure. just like a lot of the movies that she's in. So definitely let me know how you feel about it. Yeah, and I love Paul Dano. Um, he won me over in Little Miss Sunshine as the older brother originally, mm, and yeah. that was brilliant. And then he played one of my favorite people of all time, Brian Wilson in Love and Mercy, uh, who's most recently the Riddler, which I'll forgive him for, but he's a fantastic actor. He's, I mean, and he, he really puts his all into it. So it'll be interesting to see what he does here, playing basically a guy who's trying to discourage a young Steven Spielberg. And it's, I don't know, it just, it looks like a little bit more escapism into wonder and a mm. little bit of insight into Spielberg as you know a developing artist which is always interesting and I like that it's not going to be you know a total biopic type of thing because I think that would be a mistake because yeah. Yeah. here he's letting you know there are going to be embellishments and so we can enjoy yes. it as a movie and not look at it for truth although I don't think the implication is you're talking like blonde I don't think we're going in that direction but it's no more, no it's just, it's just inspired it's by Spielberg. real events yeah. yeah, I by the way, the reviews for for like uh, the Fablemans are like pitching it as probably an Oscar favorite, like in many categories. Oh, wow! Like it some looks, people are it, saying, this is this movie that Steven we've been waiting for Spielberg to make his entire career. Like this might be his best movie, and that says something about a guy. You make maybe his top fifteen, and you'll still have to leave like five really good movies that might be in other yeah. somebody else's top five. He's got a portfolio of work that I think is quite frankly unmatched from a box office you know from a from a awards critical and every which way Chris I think Steven Spielberg is one of if not the greatest you know director ever yeah. and if, and this if, I, is can, his if best I can work if I can qualify something. my distaste for him it's that I think when it comes to him and John Williams particularly they're guilty of the same thing in my mind which is that they go for an effect on the audience and they accomplish it exactly. And it comes across as so straightforward to me as to be like, this is how it's supposed to be done. This is what these notes are supposed to sound like at this point in the movie. This is how you're supposed to feel. This is how, and for me, I go, there's so much control. It's so contrived, but maybe as we've said before, maybe that's what auteur is. And after seeing West Side Story, which, it was, I haven't seen the new one. It was, you know what? I, I had to take a step back and be like, don't think about this as a Spielberg movie. Look at how everything's constructed. And it was beautiful. It really was oh, a beautiful Seth thing to watch. <laughs> I know. Seth Rogen is playing. He's going uh, dramatic here, which will be really interesting to see. Yeah. Apparently, he's he got Spielberg he, to cry during a couple of the scenes. Yeah, he's definitely wow. more and has more potential than anyone's like, or even he's allowed himself to play with so I, that's gonna be really yeah. good Can I Look, I don't know. Movie? do i have to go watch devotion 
Heisenberg's <laughs> not gonna like it. It's okay. Look, I'll just the pitch is this: you got Jonathan Majors and Glenn Powell. If you like Top Gun Maverick, you'll at least like the flying scenes. And then, you know, there's a couple of familiar faces. I'll be honest with you. For them to do this right on the heels of Top Gun Maverick, it looks like a cash grab that's going to fail. Because Um, everyone's going to go, this is not Top Gun Maverick. I don't think this is as blatant as you might think. Because, well, I think the story behind, if you watch the trailer, I think the story has something to offer that's definitely not yeah. like a rip-off I'm of sure. Top Gun Maverick. I'm sure, but this is Actually, like what I said about Doctor... Actually, you're showing this, I is... did see the, the advertisement for it when I was in the theaters, and it did look good. It looks heartwarming. Yeah. This and, is what and... I'm saying about... The same thing I was saying about Doctor Strange and and uh, Doctor Fate. It's like these... To, to put this out right after the success of something huge is going to draw immediate comparisons and... It's not going to measure up. I, I, I'll tell you that right now. It's not going to. But, but you never know like in the that's... production scheduling kind of what's going to happen, right? Because they yeah. probably started on that movie before Top Gun Maverick. And then when Top Gun Maverick was being put out, they had to wait another eight months in order to put it out. I, and it's like, what, I think do the I hold on to this movie for another year? Maverick's, Maverick's been in no. development for a long time. Has Top it? Gun, yeah. No, Top Gun Maverick. I'm I'm probably like the in-house expert on this because yeah. well you should have been here on the <laughs> Halloween episode um but or like over the summer um but <laughs> uh Top Gun Maverick was ready to go like they were ready to put it out in theaters in 2019 or 2020 like the, for oh, the very COVID. first time and then COVID delayed it not once not twice I don't even think three times I think it got delayed like a solid four times like they moved it to like the spring months and then to like you know the toward the end of the year last year and then to this year and then they moved it from i think spring of this year to eventually to the summer months when it came out and you know it was like the first big summer movie to come out and it was the best summer movie i think of the year um yeah. perhaps said, of all time based on box office i haven't movies. seen the movie yet actually oh. but, I, but yeah, devotion, I haven't seen it but i've heard yeah, nothing but good things about it yeah by comparison, Devotion was a movie that I feel like they probably had in production around the same time. I mean, Glenn Powell being the other actor who's in both films, Jonathan Majors being somebody who I think like maybe like Lovecraft Country was a big project for him and people started noticing mm-hmm. him. Now he's in Marvel playing Kang, like he's going to be in Ant-Man 3 and he's, gonna, he's already been in Loki. He might be back in Loki yeah. season two. Okay. He's starting to, and he's, have, if you got to watch Jonathan Majors and um, Michael B. Jordan, the Creed 3 trailer. The two guys, oh. they look like they're in the best shape of their lives, and they're gonna be like probably fighting each other. In the Anything with Michael B. Jordan, I'm like, sign me up. It's like mm-hmm. the most beautiful man alive. I'm like, what the? <laughs> heck? Unless you're Sly Stallone, I just, he, like, he hates Creed three for some reason. I like want to meet Michael B. Jordan's parents because I'm just like, you made something so beautiful, like it's incredible. Just <laughs> here's so a female. His, well, <laughs> you want to you want to meet his parents and like because I just want to see. Yeah, exactly. Just like you did a good job. You did a good job. There you go. Okay, I totally lost track of what I was saying. Well, I guess what that's I was saying fine. is no, devotion that's, is a that's, movie. That would take anybody off track. That was. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> it, that's fine. Um, I think I think we have all fawned over somebody at some point over the course of this show. Um, like you know, Andrew never to the point of wanting to meet their parents. That's a new one for me. <laughs> <laughs> really just because i i think i'm such a people watcher and then if especially as you're like going through school and stuff you're just like wow what made you 
what made you? Yeah, like where <laughs> did these genetics come from? Like this is beautiful evolution. Or you're like, what happened? What made you? you? I'm sorry. Oh. Well, I think I guess we're gonna find out what made Steven Spielberg Steven Spielberg when you watch the yeah films. yeah. Um, and the last and thing, Uncle Seth Rogen, go ahead, <laughs> Uncle Seth Rogen. The last thing that I, I want to mention very quickly because this is not a movie, this is a TV show, and it's it's Andor. Like Andor is a show that, um, I've been watching. I think I'm up to episode seven, so I have to like catch up real quick so I can get all the way to the end. It's twelve episodes. Episode eleven came out a, a few days ago. Episode 12 is coming out a few days from now, and there will be season one of basically the longest show that Disney Plus has done since you know, the launch of the streaming service. So any of their premium shows, I think every other show has been either like six or nine episodes, whether it's Marvel or Star Wars. And Andor, I'll be honest with you, in one sentence, I watched the first four or five episodes in a row, and then I watched like a couple more later. I walked away with this overwhelming feeling like I am not watching Star Wars. What the literal F is this? This is... This is too good to be Star Wars. This this is like, is this HBO or Netflix? What am I watching? It's that damn good. And I'm wow. honestly so excited yeah, to finish like, watching the second half of that season that I'm behind on. It's actually interesting that you would phrase it like that because for Star Wars to be as good as it is, it would have to stop being Star Wars. Exactly. This is, people called it, this is like Star Wars for adults, or this is like an HBO show that's on Disney Plus. And yeah, I'm like, what I mean by that is like, those are all true. they've tried to recreate it so many times. And when they did episode seven, it was really just retelling the same. They've done the same yeah, yeah. story so Not many exactly, times. exactly, but similar. Yes. Um, I'll be honest with you, like all in all. Andor has not been doing nearly as well like in terms of viewership numbers as like the Obi-Wan show or Boba Fett because those are legacy characters, yeah. um, which I think is a little bit unfair to Andor because Tony Gilroy and his team are doing a fantastic job. You got Stellan Skarsgård, you, you know, you have uh, obviously Diego Luna playing the, the, the lead. You even have, um, I'm forgetting, she played like the, the Harry Potter's aunt in, in the Harry Potter movies. Um forgetting the name of the actress, she's a British actress. Petunia? She plays like the adoptive <laughs> mother for Andor. Um, and then, I mean, the cast in this is stacked. It's a great cast. And, oh, I haven't even like heard this... of the show, though. That's what's kind of crazy. Like, oh, I haven't on. seen it marketed anywhere. That's kind of, I think, part of the issue that this show maybe needed more of a marketing push because maybe yeah, Disney just thought you know what? Like it like a big marketing budget. We will see what stands the test of time. Obi-Wan, yeah. the consensus is it won't. A lot of the yeah. other movies also won't. This one, it seems like it stands on its own and it plays yes. into it plays into Rogue One, doesn't it? Yes, the season one is five years before the events of Rogue One. Season two is going to skip across like one year for every three episodes, and it's going to end right at the point where Rogue One then picks up with Cassian Andor's character. Mm. So it's okay. very much a prequel to that. So this is technically before episode four, A New Hope. These are all- I loved Rogue One. Place, it was such a know. good movie. Uh, Rogue One, I think, is the best yeah. Star Wars movie ever. So and this mean, show, if you ask me from from my Star Wars show perspective ever. out here, it feels like they are setting aside Rogue One as that we understand this was something different. Yeah. This was a good thing that we did. And rather than trying to play everything into the main Star Wars 
timeline. Now they've got Andor and they're saying that's going to be part of this Rogue One thing. And I think we're going to start seeing a bit of a divergence between everything that's pure Star Wars canon and moving into the actual universe, which I think that's kind of what people yeah. want. Like grow the in universe. Case, like we don't want to run into the same people all the time. I mean, this show really shows you how the rebellion began, and like the the fact that they had to do some dirty work to get there. It's not it's not all like you know we're the good guys and we will win in the end because we have the righteous cause behind us. It's you you got to fight against the empire, which and this I've never felt the empire be as evil because I generally have never felt the evilness of the empire in most Star Wars yeah. properties. This show like very much leans for the first time ever in a very real way the idea that George Lucas originally intended like the empire like the production design the costumes everything is 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 inspired by like the Nazi Germany that aesthetic and this show really like makes you feel like you want to hate and absolutely you know rebel against the empire cuz they did feel they look they come across as truly evil and to that end i mean andy circus is in this for a few episodes if you're not interested in this for any of the other actors i pointed out go watch it for that three episodes that andy circus shows up for i think it's three or four but yeah season finale next week mags and i are gonna like do a whole season review and obviously we're covering all these other movies i mean we're getting to the holiday season thanksgiving is coming up you know, we got so we much got all this free for. time to watch movies. That's that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, they just pack them in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's what's going to be here next week. I'll be here next week, and uh, I believe you will too. Maybe even Roland. We'll get the whole gang back together. And uh, yeah, follow us in the meantime. We'll be on Instagram and Twitch and Twitter and YouTube and all the other things. Be there. That's your only option. Be there. We'll see you. Or have a good swear. week. Come on. No, 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 no. Why would you do? Why would you give him a way out? Just be there. <laughs>